She has. <laughs> 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 That's a terrifying, it's a terrifying <laughs> thing when your wife says, I have questions. What is going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Under the Ark. I'm your host, Zach Buff, and I'm joined tonight by my lovely wife, Miss Allie Buff, and our big fox red lab named Molly, who's passed out on her dog bed at our feet. We are uh, sitting in front of a fire this evening. It is cold, cold, cold here in Aggieland, and I hope everybody got through the the uh, snowpocalypse of 24. Um, so how are you tonight, babe? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm loving this fire that we have over here in this beautiful Fox Red Labrador. Yeah, I'm loving the cold weather. Um, 20 degrees is better than 100 degrees. I said what I said. Fight me. (laughs) (laughs) I completely disagree. I'll take 100. You'll take 100? 100%. Over 20, anyway. Negative. Negative. Now, I can do... And how did we end up married? Yeah, for sure. Well, my good buddy Donnie up in Great Falls, Montana, they've, they've been, like, I think a couple of days ago, they were 30 below. They can keep that. I'll, I'll stay at least above zero, but... Uh, yeah, that makes me feel a little bit guilty about complaining about 20 degrees. <laughs> well, I, t- I text Donnie. I said, you know, are y'all, are y'all good? How's the storm treating y'all? He's like, well, I'm in Alabama, so I'm great. You know, he's down there with his family, I guess, and they're barbecuing and hanging out and, and uh, living the the deep south life and you know the rest of his family's in great falls and they're uh like i said they're 30 below so but i will say this montana under a lot of snow is one of the prettiest sights that a human being can lay their eyes on so anybody ever gets a chance just go just go take in montana under the snow deal with the cold weather take a big coat you'll be okay so this week we're gonna dive into the host mr zach buff Because he's asked a lot of questions from everybody else, but you guys probably don't know much about him, do you? Yeah, they're probably wondering, like, who in the world is this guy talking to us about dogs? As if he knows something. But, uh, (laughs) but yeah, so this week um, it was was brought up that maybe we should kind of take a step back and and dive into some of my background in history uh, as far as dogs going in the industry. And I believe that Miss Allie has got a list of... uh, I have questions. She has. <laughs> That's a terrifying, it's a terrifying thing when your wife says, I have questions. Hmm. So, oh, well, I mean, let's just get into it. With that being said, babe, have at it. So, I mean, the clear first question is, how did you get into retrievers? How did I get into retrievers? So, I mean, duck hunting, honestly. Uh, my dad started taking me wing shooting with him when I was eight. And... Um, Dogs have always been part of the scenery for me. Um, not necessarily retriever breeds, but we've always had a dog in the house of some sort. Um, I can think back and, and remember healers and beagles and some labs in the mix in there somewhere. Um, but our neighbor gave us this big blockheaded black lab and we named him Bear. Um, not to be cliche, it was spelt B E X A R. Okay, that's better. After after Bear County, San Antonio, um, uh, he was probably eight or nine, maybe ten months when we got him. He was just a big, lazy. Like I think he was ninety six pounds at nine months. He was a big dog, no formal training whatsoever. And um, retrievers for me kind of set the hook when I went on my first duck hunt when I was nine, 
And we took Bear along, who again had no formal training. He'd picked up a few dove for us. I think Dad skimmed through Water Dog a few times and uh, would throw a canvas bumper for him. But that was pretty much the extent of Bear's training. But the first bird came in that morning. Um, I dumped her, and Bear went and made the retrieve-ish. He got it back to about he got it back to land. He dropped it about ten feet from us, and um, at that point, I kind of knew that. You were I was hooked on the on the concept of having retrievers and hunting with them. I never thought it would take me on the journey that I've that I've been on for the last uh, two decades plus. But uh, but yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. Um, when I was twelve, my parents gave me my first my first lab, and uh, his name was Chester, and a good friend of ours had given me a book to kind of kickstart me and it was uh, Robert Milner's retriever training for the duck hunter <laughs> very outdated book for what you know what time it was but it was what he gave me and yeah I would walk around in the yard and um, we had a big live oak tree in our front yard which eventually became the twisted oak of twisted oak retrievers which was later my kennel and uh, I had Chester's lead in my left hand and that book in my right hand just walking around piecing it together and and lucky for me, Chester was one of those dogs who was very forgiving, mm-hmm. um, and and we just kind of stumbled our way through his career. <clears throat> Excuse me, but he picked up a lot of ducks and a lot of dove for me, and we just we had a good time as as kids. That's awesome. <clears throat> Every little kid should grow up like that. Every little kid should grow up like that, or at or least have the opportunity. Yeah, well, there's a there's a meme, or you can see it on signs. I've seen it on like ten signs and stuff like that. It's like every little boy should have a dog and a family willing to let him have one and i'll go ahead and add to that that every child should be able to be allowed to have a dog and a family willing to let them have one um they're they're therapeutic um when they're not being total assholes but you know (laughs) (laughs) but they're just good for the soul i agree totally so what would you say would be maybe one of the coolest places you've ever been? Because you've traveled a lot. you got to get into your, into your hunting travels or maybe a best or favorite memory. <laughs> yeah, Dad and I put in a lot of windshield time, um, a lot of windshield time. Well, he put in the windshield time. I was typically curled up in the back seat sleeping. <laughs> but, yes, we, we've covered a lot of ground. We've hunted all up and down the the texas coast we've hunted east texas deep brushy south texas we've hunted blue quail in um at black gap wma which is out in west texas kind of in the trans pecos region we've hunted pheasants and greenheads in the mallard management unit up in the panhandle of texas we've hunted in the dallas metro area we've hunted pheasants in iowa oklahoma uh, idaho one, I guess if I had to pick one, though, it would probably be Snake River, uh, the Snake River in uh, in southern Idaho. When you when you drop down into where we were hunting, it's called uh, Cedar Hollow, and the snake gets in there, and it's just just like the name implies, it's just wrapping around up there in the mountains, and you know there's huge boulders just sticking up, and um, it is it's probably one of Sounds the most beautiful it is it's absolutely gorgeous you know me describing it doesn't do it justice but it is absolutely one of the most scenic places that i've ever laid my eyes on um you know i was talking montana up a minute ago and and you know montana has its 
has its own beauty. You know, they don't call it Big Sky Country for nothing. But for me, standing on top of a rocky peak in Idaho, looking down into the Snake River Canyon, or just looking down into a big bottom, there's you know, they're full of mule deer. You're bumping sage grouse and running into wild chucker, and there's you know there's six inches of snow on the ground. It just it, it's awe inspiring. Yeah. It's absolutely awe inspiring. <clears throat> yeah, that sounds amazing. But memorable. You know, so I love to tell this story because we we driven all the way up to to Idaho. Through we ran into a blizzard in Albuquerque, came out of it in Brigham City, Utah. And when we got into Twin Falls, we got our licenses and everything, and then we made our way over to a little town called Kimberly. And um, we hunted Hungarian partridge the first day, and we saw some Huns, but we weren't able to get any any shots. But you know, our Britneys, we took our Britneys with us, and um, they got a lot of big, big running, big rangy romps through the through the sagebrush up there, and. Um, couple days into it you know the guy that we were hunting with i was like you know I, do you duck hunt he's like yeah let's go to the river tomorrow and see and we drove all the way to idaho so that i could shoot a hen mallard and that's mm-hmm. all that's all we saw that's all we shot but <laughs> that, wow. that that blizzard that blizzard did not treat uh treat us very well and uh the cool thing about that trip is i was able to take chester with me i was 17 or 18 on this trip and chester went with me and he made he was able to make a retrieve in the snake river a little old south texas dog backyard bred you know there was nothing special about him but um he was able to make a retrieve on that duck in the snake river and i think at that point it, it all really really clicked for me that was probably probably my most memorable hunt because chester got to make that retrieve on that duck yeah so that's awesome. It's so special. Yeah. It's a it's such a big accomplishment whenever you have a dog that you're the only one who's ever had your hands on it mm-hmm. and it does something that you're like, I we did that. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it was a big deal. And and he didn't break. Chester was not steady. <laughs> I I skipped that chapter. And uh, but as he got older, I think he's just kind of like, yeah, I think I'll just sit and sit and wait and watch. That's what I mean by he was forgiving. All of my screw-ups, he kind of filled in the gaps. He just had a lot of natural talent. <laughs> so. <clears throat> so tell me a little bit about the time you spent um, competition shooting sport clays. Well, when I was eight, um, we were – dad used to run dove hunts um, in Uvalde. And um, I guess he had a free weekend. I don't remember the gist of it. It don't really matter. But he handed me an old single shot 410, and we discovered pretty quickly that I was um, strangely talented with a shotgun. And um, a couple years later, a good friend of ours, Mr. Jay Brown, was um, what we call trapping, or he was he was pushing buttons to throw birds for shooters up at the National Shooting Complex in San Antonio and invited us to go up there and shoot. And he handed me a little old 28 gauge, a Browning 28 gauge over and under, and um, he pulled 10 birds for me, and I broke eight of the 10. Nice. He got in Dad's ear and told him that uh, he needed to get me into competitive shotgunning as soon as possible. So he did. He found me an old Browning Gold Hunter that the uh, the manager of the San Antonio Gun Club at the time had, and um, so he got me that gun, and I joined Bear County 4-8 shooting team and went from there. Um, I shot. I really don't even have a have an idea of how many shoots I, I went to, but we we traveled a lot of a lot of 
of Texas going to various uh, different shoots for the three main disciplines, which are uh, trap skeet and the game of five stand. We did a lot of shooting in um, just walk through sporting clays, 1500 bird sporting clays courses, and a little bit of super sporting. But um, I had a knack on the trap field in the five stand. Five stand always felt more natural to me because it seemed it, it was more of uh, replicating the real thing. The way the birds are set up and the way they're thrown, it's just it, it kind of puts true wing shooters in their element, and um, yeah. we had a lot of fun with it. So, so yeah, being around Jay, um, Jay had dogs, uh, and we duck hunted with him a lot. Wasn't it Jay that gave you the training book? Jay, yeah, Jay Brown was the one that gave me that that book, along with a, a smattering of other books throughout the years. But uh, a smattering, a sm- I'm t- it's a real <laughs> word. Smattering is a real word. Look it up. <laughs> you always pick on me, but uh, but yeah. So yeah, he gave me that, and um, you know, he encouraged Dad to to keep me in it, and Dad encouraged me to stay in it as long as we could. And when it was time to time to get out of it. Uh, that's what we did but we we kept wing shooting we kept hunting and um like i said dogs just have always been part of the scenery mm-hmm. all of your all of your different endeavors and sports totally go together yeah yeah pretty much so jay brown gave you the book gave you the hunting uh training book yeah introduced you to sport clay shooting and then he introduces you to the retriever club right yeah, so y'all heard me talk about Addie a few weeks back, maybe on the first or second episode, I don't remember. Um, but I had uh, I had purchased this little chocolate lab and was just kind of going through her uh, her obedience, just taking her up through her, her intros and, and, and those paces. And I went and trained with Jay one day, and uh, I don't remember exactly what – spurred this but he he kind of got on to me like he he tended to do it's like you need to join the alamo retriever club we've got how old were you at this point 20 20 20 or 21 Mm -hmm. something like that and um he said you know you need to come out to this uh to this hunt test that's what it was they had they were having a hunt test out on the far east side of san antonio he said you can come you can walk up and enter and I wanted no part of it. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll be there. And then the day of, I think I texted him, said, like, hey, my truck won't start and this and that. And I just I just bugged out because I did not, I was so nervous. I did not feel like Addie was ready to do that. She was fresh out of force fetch, um, so I thought. And, uh, yeah, I just, I wanted no part of it. So I, <laughs> I made up an excuse to skip that particular test. <laughs> and I've, I've, I've run a whole bag full of them since then. But that first one was uh, was tough for me to, to get over and go and actually make myself go and enter. Um, but I saw him about a week later and he's like, yeah, truck wouldn't start my ass. He's like, I, I know you would, you just didn't want to come out and so forth and so on. And so he invited me to a, to a private training day, which is where I met Chris Ray and hydro. And, um, Chris had a lot of insight and knowledge to give me. And, um, he was a lot more gentle about it, if you will. And, um, so yeah, it just kind of took root and, and Chris invited me to an AKC test in Dehennis that year. And, that's where, that's where Addie dove into the uh, the flyer station, and um, <laughs> where Mr. Lloyd Acker failed us on that first test. And uh, <laughs> I love you, Lloyd. Just just I have to pick on you, man, when it comes up. But I love you, buddy. Um, but yeah. And then the next day we ran, you know, just a junior test, but we ran a clean two clean series, and 
no uh, no diving into flyer stations and then at that <laughs> point at that point is when i was absolutely hooked on on hunt tests it's just the people that you meet and uh, the dog work that you get to watch and some of the of the examples that you get to watch it's just it just i don't know it gets into you and it kind of takes hold and there's nothing you can do about it after that yeah that is so true well i mean look at you you've been in it now for i don't know 12 13 years Mm, uh ish hunt tests i think are nine nine Mm -hmm. but you've been training for Mm -hmm. yeah but we didn't get into the hunt hunt test game right away oh i got you Mm -hmm. i got you well i mean and in the beginning i did more behavior modification than retriever stuff i threw birds here and there but yeah. I wasn't I wasn't involved as much in in the retriever stuff in the beginning. Yeah, but you got to pay your dues. I mean, I, I sat in. Uh, I've talked about this before. You know, you're the long retired gun throwing birds, and you're out there like the the big kid in center field. You're picking daisies all day and just waiting on something cool to happen. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but hey, hunt hunt test. Speaking of us and hunt test, um, March twelfth of sixteen. You remember? I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, I walked up, and uh, I was like, yeah, I'm here to check in. And I said, okay, you need to go find Allison. She's your marshal. And uh, I stepped through the gate at the Junior Series and looked up and, and was looking at uh, Miss Miss Allie Sutton's, and now here we are, uh, just aggravating each other on a daily basis, aren't we? <laughs> As any husband and wife, good <laughs> husband and wife do. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 been a, it's it been actually a, would be more concerning if we didn't aggravate each uh, absolutely other. absolutely well and then what was it i guess it was waterloo the following weekend and i i was sick uh, as a dog. i was sick as a dog and i drove over there you know 4 35 in the morning got there once again Allie was the marshal and i walked up she she turns around and she looks at me she's like you look like death just warmed over <laughs> I was like, well, it's good to see you too, Allie. I, I, I appreciate the kind words. That was compassion, but maybe it didn't really sound like it when I said it that way. Yeah, well, Oops. So, <laughs> so I was instructed to go sit in my truck so that I didn't get anybody else sick. And she yeah, would come. You didn't and, want to catch her germs. Yeah, yeah. She would come and get me when it was time for me to get bro out and, uh, and go, go run him. And, uh, and she did. I, I, she It was kind of towards the end of the, the running order, but I remember hearing a... I let you sleep in. Yep, she let me sleep. I heard this whack on my window, and I rolled over, and sure enough, there she stood. She even offered to run my dog for me. <laughs> <laughs> she did not want to get sick. I was like, no, honey. Well, then you, you rolled over, and you woke up, and you looked at me, and you were like, you didn't forget about <laughs> me. <laughs> I didn't think you were actually going to come back. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I fully was was ready to just be scratched be put on the clock sleep through it and then just just have the judge scratch me but yeah thanks for that babe mm-hmm. <laughs> as any good marshal should do mm-hmm. and let me just rewind a little bit in the story when you talk about going to your first hunt test you don't have to enter at your first hunt test okay you it's okay for our listeners it's okay to go and watch one first so you know the rules and what the expectations are then you enter the hunt test yeah don't do what i do <laughs> don't don't just show up at one acting like like you know you can just you know climb in the ring because you think you box you know don't don't do that uh, go watch one and and see what it's about i literally was invited i entered i walked up to the line and failed that joker <laughs> <laughs> well and the, the great thing about hunt tests is the people that you're gonna meet there and encounter there 
love this sport. And so you're going to be able to find people who know all the rules and can, you know, point something out and say, well, that's a pretty normal, you know, distance for junior mark, or, you know, this is what I would see in other tests or, you know, walk you through, oh, you know, we don't normally see a lot of this or a lot of that. People love this sport. And so if you just show up and ask questions, you're going to learn so, 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 so much. Just go, just start out any dog sport, go check it out. Yeah. I mean, come check out the Alamo Retriever Club. Shout out Alamo Club. But uh, but yeah, so we actually have our uh, our spring HRC test is uh, coming up soon. It's going to be the last weekend in February. 24th and 25th. Yeah, right? 24th, 25th. Um, if you get there early enough on Saturday morning, if any of you guys have baby dogs, meaning started level dogs, um, I can almost guarantee you that we will have walk-up spots. And I encourage you to if you ha- if you have a young dog or even an older dog that you're just you just want to dabble in this, you want to get your feet wet. Enter HRC is the place to do HRC it. HRC is the place to do it. And and just you know, enter come and run your dog. You're not going to be left alone. You know, the judges um I know I know for sure Carrie Shaw is one of our judges. She usually judges for us every year, and she is an absolute sweetheart, and she will help you as much as she possibly can. Just judges that want to see you be successful. Yes, yeah, she's one and of those kind of judges. it's not just her. The, the started judges from the other flight were the same way. Yes, yeah. But we really just encourage you to just give it a shot. Come out and, and, and run your dog and uh, get your feet wet. Um, I think we're allowed 50 dogs in the started stake and uh, we almost always have walk-up spots come saturday and sunday morning so just come give it a shot see what you think um find somebody from the club or even just somebody that maybe isn't a club member and just talk to them just pick their brain see what they have to offer and i promise you y'all are going to walk away with more confidence and and more willing willingness excuse me willingness to just get involved um in this hunt test game and it's a lot of fun there's great people and on friday nights and saturday nights you can find me back behind the hall um frying catfish and boiling crawfish and or grilling steaks or whatever it is and we just we feed smack talking a lot of nonsense (laughs) yeah we just we have a good time with it it's very family oriented very tailgate party kind of feel we trust me alamo we don't we do not take ourselves that serious so just come hang out with us (laughs) you know we're gonna have uh raffle prizes we'll have a dinner um or banquet-esque type of thing Saturday night. Um, or if Raffle. you don't... Yeah. yeah Sil- if you, silent auction, right? There, there usually is a silent, is a silent auction. auction, and we may have one live auction um, item. I'm just... I'm not sure of the lineup this year. But um, and if y'all don't want to do that, come check out a training day. We've got we've got training days coming up leading up to this test. You can meet different club members and um, who can kind of... Uh, just guide you, you know, point you in the right direction if you have any any questions or concerns or any anything like that. So, tell me a little bit about when you went from a part-time trainer to full-time. Talk to me about the transition of after you joined the Retriever Club and you've got Addy, and then you started training dogs for other people. Tell me about that. Yeah, so a, a buddy of mine had a had a chocolate male that he wanted trained, and he brought him to me. And we got Doc through. We got him through force fetch and doing pile work, and he I think he could pick up 
multiples, at least doubles. I think we got him into doubles. You know, he was right there at transition, maybe a little bit beyond transition, and, and his owner thought that, you know, dove season's on the way, that's good enough, let me take him. So, you know, he, he pulled Doc, and when that happened, I was like, man, I can do this. So we had, I think I had four dogs in the kennel, and and you know that it was it was a a part time gig with the uh, with the goal of going full time um, pro at some point in my life. I'm pretty sure Molly's snoring, by the way. Yeah, that racket y'all are hearing is that Fox Red. She is officially in deep sleep and she is sawing some damn logs, y'all. She is absolutely <laughs> sawing them up. Sorry about that, guys. So, hey man, it's. it's Labrador hair is magical fibers of love, and uh, their snoring is just, it's the music of the gods. So, you know, embrace it, love it. But um, anyway, so where were we? You were part-time. Yeah, I was part-time, and four dogs turned to eight, eight dogs turned to 16, and so forth and so on. And before I knew it, Twisted Oak Retrievers had launched and was in full stride, and um I've seen and had a lot of really, really nice dogs come through. I've had some questionable dogs come through. You know, everything from uh, English Cockers to Drothars to the ever infamous Short Hair to, you know, good labs, bad labs, and everything in between. But I got to meet a lot of really different colored labs. labs. (laughs) We won't go into that. Did 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 you have any doodles? Yeah, yeah, I had some doodles come in for obedience. Um, next question, please. <laughs> <laughs> what about pointers? What about pointers? You have a background in pointers. I do. You so I actually about all your upland stuff. I, <laughs> yeah, I actually have more of a background in pointers than I do in retrievers. Um, I just don't have as much interest. But they. Uh, so my grandpa raised German short hairs, field bred, field line, confirmation style German short hairs, big. Barrel-chested dogs had a lot of had a lot of back end. Um, a lot of those dogs were were horseback dogs. What I mean by that is they were bred for big range. You know, a, a walking hunter, or at least for me, in my personal opinion, I, don't, I think I mentioned this before. I don't want my pointers much over 150 yards from me if I'm on foot. But uh, Grandpa had some short hairs that were uh, from horseback line, which means they would it would range five to six hundred yards. And wow, you. At that point, you want to... That's a lot of dog. That's a lot of dog. You want to take the horseback so that you can keep up with them. Right. And, um, you know, horseback trials are... Oh, man, they're... If you've never seen one, it's something to behold for for sure. Um, You know, dogs that go out there and they slam on point at 500 yards from their handler and do not move a muscle. And, uh, you know, you've got judges in the handler, typically on a Tennessee walking horse, and they'll come, come easing up and they'll dismount and go in, make the flush drop the bird a uh, dog has to retrieve the hand and they're they're scored on you know their style um the point the style of the point um how many birds they found and the, and they retrieved we're talking nashra nashra stands for uh, the national shoot retrieve association uh, so that bird has to be delivered back to hand and um, if anybody has ever tried to train a pointing dog to deliver to hand so it's wow. it's not it's not an easy task for dogs that that aren't necessarily bred for that it can be done i'm not saying it can't be done it can absolutely be done i've done it but um that sounds like a pretty exceptional dog yeah for sure for sure and i want to go watch one now you want to go watch an astro trial yeah the horseback trial yeah sounds crazy interesting well you know 
we could always get a couple of real long-legged pointers and a couple of Tennessee walking horses and just start competing in them. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Please? No. Okay. <laughs> you go win the lottery, and then we'll talk about it. Oh, my goodness. Well, with horses, it's the vet bills and the feed yeah. and everything yeah. else that involves horses. Did you hear how hard he laughed at that? He thought I was joking. Oh, I don't think she's joking. <laughs> it's it's a nervous laugh, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so. Um, but and then my dad raised uh, Britney's. His, his thing was Britney's and English pointers are just pointers. And um, they weren't quite as rangy as the short hairs could be, but uh, we did have some rangy Britney's. Uh, that trip to Idaho, we had one uh, Brittany male. His name was Peebo. He would get out on those far peaks. Like, we would be standing on a peak, and we'd be looking around and see, does anybody have eyes on Peebo? We'd throw the glass up, and Peebo would be on the far peak um, with no way for us to get to him. Oh, my gosh. And it, it was it – was, we needed more than horses. We needed hovercraft to get to that dog with where he'd gotten to. And how he got over there, I do oh. I do not know. But I remember looking at Dad, and he's going, well, surely he can get back to us because he can't hear me. Because when you're standing on top of those peaks, they can't hear the whistle, and they damn right. sure can't hear voice commands. And yeah. you're not you're not going to – hell, he was out of range of the collar, mm. you know. So there was no way to get his attention. He was just out there doing what he thought he was supposed to be doing. We'd made our way back to the truck. We stood there about ten or fifteen minutes, and I look up. And here come Pivo. He's coming up the coming up the side of the peak, and his his skin, his skin was beet red on his on his belly from that cold snow, being in that cold snow. And one of the concerns at that particular location was uh, was foot traps because trappers had gotten in there and were placing foot traps for mountain lions. There's a lot of mountain lions in that region, and it's it's a scary thought i mean we and we knew that they were there going into it but we had the mindset is okay we'll keep the dogs within range and that way we can monitor that situation if we run into it but pivo had other plans and he let the horseback dog come out in him and was you know he was over there on bob's peak and we're standing on jim bob's peak you know he, he was just he was out there just doing what he thought he was supposed to do um and we had some uh some English pointers that were the same way. Uh, we had one, his name was Colt. I talked about him in, in week one, who was killed by a massive rattlesnake down on the Chaparral uh, wildlife management area outside of Catula, Texas. But that dog could go on point at a a brush, a, a area of brush that had no birds in it. It's almost like he could just make birds appear. Mm. And, um, you know, Dad and I spent a lot of time um, working with those pointers and getting our hands on them and wool breaking them. And uh, trash breaking them so that they're not chasing deer and cattle and stuff like that. But yeah, we we've had a lot of fun with our pointers. But at the end of the day, they're independent mindsets that they then they they're good pets. But when they're in the field, they're thinking about one thing and one thing only. The a good pointer or an English pointer, his sole purpose when he's in the field is to find and point birds. That's it. Whereas the Labrador, they'll check in on you from time to time, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know they're they're more team players. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Well, Labrador is bred to hunt from your side, and a pointer is bred to hunt away from you, so they don't have the same people interest that a well, Labrador does. It's a fair statement, but you know, a lot of folks when they get into the upland field with a lab, that's what they want. They want the dog at their heel, at heel, at their side, 
walking along and you know maybe well if they're not running any kind of a, a pointing dog you know they're just walking along hoping to kick something up but the thing is is that labs can dual purpose mm-hmm. you know chris in week one we talked about the apla which i don't think we ever went over the apla stands for the american pointing lab association and you know pointing labs are i think are have been gaining a lot of traction and they're very effective dogs in the field you know chris and and uh, david gay jamie reed uh chris is the only one with actual pointing labs but they hunt upland um blue quail out in west texas and pheasants up in nodak and uh and uh, some of the midwest states with their labradors all the time uh dan crow he had a he had a field trial dog named rhett that he used to go and shoot pheasants up in south dakota and they're very very effective dogs in the upland field you know you don't have to you, all right, I'm gonna go hunt up when I have to have pointing dogs. That's that's not how that works. You can take your your lab out, and if you practice flushing, then you can have a lab out there who's cutting and casting and quartering and working the wind, who can bring roosters up in effective shotgun range, and it can be a lot of fun, you know. So if y'all, if anybody has any has a Labrador or has thought about maybe dabbling in Upland, just go. Go find a WMA in Texas or something. I do not recommend going to South Texas and doing that. Go up to North Texas and try to find some um, some CRP land that maybe has been holding pheasants if you don't want to leave the state. And it's all over the panhandle. You just got to look for it. And, um, and get your labs out there and let their nose do what it was designed to do. And they'll do the rest for you. Casting and quartering and flushing actually comes more natural to a lab than people give them credit for. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say that they don't even really do any upland training uh, when they run the Grand, mm-hmm. which the the last series of the Grand is upland. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people just use the casting for running blinds that their dogs already know, mm-hmm. and maybe they work the concept two days before if their dog's doing well and mm-hmm. they're expecting it to go to the last series. Um, and I've had clients that a retriever trained the dog for them. I gave it no upland hunting because I I don't know what that is. what. And yeah. they take the dog out one time, blow a couple whistles, and the dog's like, "Okay, cool, yeah, yeah I'll go that way." Yeah. See, so with Addie, it was just you know we'd get out there and it started out setting her up like it would be a blind. And when I would send her, I would reinforce that back with you know I I just use birds up. Some people say hunt them up. Some people say get them up, seek, search, go find them. I just birds up and and the dog is out. They know what they're doing. Once once they've associated birds lifting above their nose with the command birds up, it doesn't it does not take long for them to understand the assignment. So for me, it's just a, a quick birds up and and we're working. And she would get out in a quarter and cast. I think Addie's longest range was maybe 45, 50 yards, which is about as far as I'm willing to try to effectively shoot a shotgun but uh yeah they're definitely definitely versatile critters yeah yeah i know it's the retriever club but we're labrador people sorry well they're still retrieving (laughs) even though yeah (laughs) (laughs) we've just talked a lot about labs anyway so background pointers um tell us a little bit about what you're doing now so you're running the podcast for alamo Mm -hmm. You're managing the club's social media page. Yeah. You're cooking. We talked about that. Um, and then when you're not doing all of those things for the club, you're guiding and doing some training, right? Yeah. So 
for the club, uh, just needed some extra help uh, with the social media. Um, aside from irritating President Chris Ray, my job is to just keep the uh, keep the social media platforms up to date, making sure everybody, all the viewers or followers or whatever they're called, um, knows what's going on within the club. Um, doing the podcast now, and aside from club business. Uh, yeah, I'm still working with um, with dogs um, when time allows. Uh, I'll, I'll never I'll never leave that. I'll, I'll I'll I will always work with dogs in some way, shape, or form. Um, and then yes, so this coming fall fall of 24, um, I will be in South Central Oklahoma with Red Eye Flight Outfitters, uh, guiding through that. Uh, through this this coming waterfowl season Mm -hmm. so shout out red eye flight outfitters my buddy logan hunsucker if anybody has any uh any interest in going on a oklahoma waterfowl hunt or deer hunt for that matter uh hit me up or look up logan hunsucker at red eye flight outfitters and, and and get with us man we'll uh we'll definitely have a good time with it um i do cook in camp and you will not be disappointed um you'll get to see some uh some dog action um trained by the lovely miss Allie buff at legend retrievers um i've got a a wild-eyed dog who's going to make the trek up there with me this year and um i'm i'm nervous she's a lot of dog <laughs> she's a lot of dog so so we'll see what happens but yeah um yeah I'll, she's going to be living her best life oh yeah me and stormy are going to have us a good time with it but um but yeah so still working with dogs here and there um when i can or when you tell me i need to and uh, (laughs) and of course uh of course the guide life i'm fixing to step back into the guide life full time and uh, it's gonna be a good time i'm really looking forward to it so what would you say the future of the podcast is going to be what are you guys going to cover what are your goals for the podcast um do you have any sneak peeks for us about upcoming episodes the overall goal is is just outreach um we're always looking to recruit new members um so this podcast was an idea as a way to create more outreach um in kind of a popular platform you know everybody seems to have a podcast these days and um we want to just reach people who are interested but maybe just haven't quite pushed themselves over the top to be able to get into the retriever training or the hunt test world or whatever whatever you want to call it you don't have to be a hunt test participant or a field trial participant to be in any retriever club if you just have dogs and you want to get into it a little bit more in depth and surround yourself by uh, with like-minded people who can help you better yourself and better your dog then that's to me one of the best bonuses if you will of joining a retriever club um and alamo club is no exception you know there's there's retriever clubs all over the state of texas uh but alamo being my home club that's why obviously it's the under the arc by the alamo retriever club but we there it's just full of really good people who enjoy being around their dogs that's it so that is probably my biggest goal is just outreach um get more people more kids more women involved in the sport um you know 
I'm not sure how much trouble I might get in for saying this, but I feel like the the test and, and retriever training world is kind of a male-dominated sport, and you're a very good example of it doesn't have to be, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be. So, you know, ladies, grab your dog and come and train. You know, you, you don't – please try not to be intimidated by that, by the fact that it's a male-dominated sport. And maybe it would help better hearing that from Allie than, than a man's voice coming through this. But <laughs> but she is. She's a she's a great example on why um, that that's not anything to be concerned with. Um, Allie can pretty much train me into the ground. So as far as dog work goes, you're sweet. It's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How many conversations? Hey, Allie, I've got a question. Um, so forth and so on. You know, what do you think about this? And then an hour and a half long conversation ensues about why this method to that methods and so forth and so on. But well, I was just very fortunate that I got to train underneath some really, really good people, which kind of actually brings us to my next topic of conversation but let me also say ladies definitely don't be intimidated by the hunt test scene everybody is very nice everybody wants to teach um it's a it's a fun place to be it it is a place that i devoted a good six years of my life to being at these events and with these folks pretty much every weekend uh, throughout the spring and fall and you get to know each other's families and you get to know each other's lives and you get to support each other whenever your businesses grow and you know um, it's just been a really really neat experience to get to know a lot of the folks in the hunt test industry and the clubs I've been a part of three different clubs um, throughout Texas and overall very very wonderful people Mm -hmm. um but i mean you met me exactly (laughs) exactly well here's the thing i thank goodness for hunt test because with my crazy dog lifestyle there's not a lot of men that would let's be honest that would be put that would put up with the sheer number of dogs that i own and that snore throughout the house and be okay with it so you know, if you're if you're an, uh, a legit dog person, this is a place to meet other legit dog people. <laughs> um, but anyway, back to some upcoming stuff. We had a really cool conversation tonight well, about why, some why, things that we want to cover. Why are you blushing? Stop it. You're blushing. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you want to give a little rundown on on some of the folks that you have coming up? Yeah, so the lineup going forward in no particular order. Um, um, so in the coming weeks, we're going to have Chris Ray back on, who was on uh, with us week first one. Episode. Yeah, the first episode with Allie and I. Um, and you, you heard his background and his four or five dogs that he's owned and that he's working his way through. But he made the comment that with Hydro, his first uh, his first dog that he ever paid for is the way he put it, that it, the, the techniques and the, the quote-unquote program or the steps, it looked like Swiss cheese, meaning it just had a lot of holes and gaps in it. Um, it may have looked like Swiss cheese, but you know Hydro was one of those kind of dogs who I'm not going to necessarily say he was forgiving because Hydro was anything but forgiving, but he, he, he just he knew what he was supposed to do. Uh, Bowie was a very forgiving dog, but Chris is a real student of the game, and he's um, 
he's very committed to it and he's very humble about it that's the other thing about chris is he's so modest and he's so humble um you know he could say he could make a comment like well the training techniques or the program look like swiss cheese but his accomplishments just speak for themselves so i, I want to have him back on and i love having conversations with him too about breeding and genetics because he can really back up yeah. the facts yeah. and is so knowledgeable even for only having had a few litters his wife's a vet so yeah. that helps too yeah but i i love talking to him because he's just a fountain of information well you and chris are similar because y'all y'all are um y'all y'all think about things you're going to say before you say it first of all <laughs> so and, and and you you do the research and and so forth and so on and you you feel your heads full of knowledge before you apply it i'm very much trial by fire it's like yeah that dog's pretty wild but i think i can do it and just grab a handful of rain and hold on like hell and just hope it works out and so far it's worked out um you know fire breathers are my my favorite you know but uh but yeah so and we're gonna have again we're hot and cold because i don't like the fire breathers as much i'd much much rather have the so who's hot and who's cold hmm i think you're hot I think you're hot. Um, but yeah, so we're going to have Chris back on to go over, um, you know, just, just his techniques. And the biggest thing is training alone. There's so many folks out there. It's like, man, I really want to get out and train my dog, but I don't have anybody to train with. My first piece of advice would be join your local retriever club. If you're, if you're alone and you don't have anybody to train with, join your local retriever club and you won't be alone and have to train by yourself anymore. But it is possible to train by yourself um, and still bring these dogs to the level that you want to it, it it's absolutely possible you you just you have to want it you have to get out there and, and just show up for your dog and and give give that dog everything that you've got um but anyway so we're also going to have dan crow which i've who, who i've mentioned a few times um and you know he's been in field trial uh field trialing for a number of years now and um you know i just want to get his perspective of of training and running field trials from the amateur uh, from the amateur's point of view um we're gonna have luke core of core's retrievers on uh in the coming weeks to look at field trialing um and srs success from the pros point of view uh you know luke's had a lot of success um in the super retriever series um so i'm super excited about having him on here he's a wealth of knowledge man y'all are not going to want to miss that episode um we're going to have our friend ashlyn lane ashlyn and Allie are going to do an episode about um confirmation labs and kind of debunk the the myth that the confirmation or as i call them the chubby dogs um <laughs> can't can't do the field stuff oh yes well, there's it's true some of them can't yeah for sure yeah but, but there I've are al- still some out there that are bred to be dual purpose absolutely but i've also seen hot breaded american la- hot breaded <laughs> hot bread <laughs> bread it and deep fry it bread it and deep fry well that's what some of them this was some of the confirmation does they need to get off the deep fried but uh but anyway but yeah some hot bread excuse me hot <laughs> bread american dogs that turn out to be total duds you know it just it happens. Right. It absolutely happens, you know. But yeah, so Ashlyn and uh, and Allie are going to do an episode on confirmation uh, to the field. You know, Ashlyn's got a big confirmation. Uh, what's real chocolate? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, you know he does competes in the confirmation ring. He's he a goes KC show champion, and he's working towards his grand champion, and he's uh, AKC pointed in 
shows. Than shows, but he can go out to and the hunt test. He's a junior test. hunter. He's a junior hunter. I think and he's we're working towards senior. Working towards senior. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's got some started points. Mm-hmm. Maybe looking at a season campaign coming soon. Yep. He also, believe it or not, is a, an exceptional dock diving dog. He and he's been in commercials and movies. He's he's an actor. Okay. <laughs> So Rio's just well-rounded, and out yeah. of just, I don't mean his body structure. He he is you know, just because he's a confirmation dog, but uh, but yeah. So well, shout- and there are certain aspects of confirmation that do add to the breed, and and can be beneficial to people who hunt with their dogs too, if you understand it and how mm. to apply it and and work with it to yeah. produce better dogs. Absolutely, but uh, yeah. So we're excited to have Ashlyn and Allie take that episode. Um, and then our good friends Tom and Samantha Garza of Lone Star Retrievers down outside of Beeville, Texas. There, uh, we're gonna have Samantha's a, a vet, and um, you know, I'm excited to get Tom and, and and Samantha on here just to get get their story and 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 look at uh, you know training tips and 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 traveling and some of the accomplishments that uh, that Tom has had. Uh, you know, I, I Thomas, I consider him a really good friend. Um, he's a great trainer. Um, very a very very patient um just uh, how would you describe him baby just smooth yeah he's just he's just very good at, and he he can read the dogs so yes well. yes he's very good at what he does and and both him and samantha are just they're absolute sweethearts so we're, we're excited to have them on um Rody and kristen best we're going to do a two-part um episode with them uh, we're gonna have Kristen go through um, obedience and and force vest technique, and then we'll have which uh, I think is totally revolutionary. I think what the force fetch program that they have created is yeah. so cool. Yeah. I can't wait to hear this and and for you guys to hear it. Yeah, so we're we're super excited to have Kristen on and Rody. Um, yeah, but and of course he's Rody Best. Yeah, it's it's Rody Best. You know he he has. I say that like I'm trying to just play it off, but I, you know, <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he's another one that's been so successful yeah. in every venue that he's stepped into. Yeah. Smooth, calm. And Rody has written some really awesome articles for uh, retriever trainer magazine. Um, so he's been very revolutionary, him and Chris and both in kind of taking what they were taught and then turning it into something that's their own and that's different and maybe in my opinion better than a lot of others yeah well and i want to reiterate bringing you know bringing Kristen up to what i said a while ago ladies listen to what Kristen best and what Allie and ashlyn have to bring to these episodes and and, and samantha and samantha i'm sorry uh and, and samantha and just listen to the the points and the facts they bring up the techniques and the way they execute those techniques there's no reason let me rephrase that without sounding more sounding so demanding there's not a lot of reason that i can think of for it to be intimidating you know you have women like the 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 four that we just i just talked about and you know i I hope that it excites y'all to get more involved in this sport because you won't be disappointed it's a lot of fun but uh, yeah, so uh, Kristen will have the first episode of a two-part series, so to speak, and she'll go over um, obedience and force fetch and and um, how they've come up with that that program. And then we'll have Rody uh, the following week uh, going over you know field tips and, and his techniques and just 
Yeah, one thing about Rody and 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 Tom and a lot of the other um, really successful pros that I love about those guys is anytime that there's a seminar, um, they're there. You know, Tom is one of those guys who will go to a seminar. You know, and, he, and he, Tom's a pro trainer. He's a very successful pro trainer. He is a wealth of knowledge, as is Rody, as is Brad Bowie, who I talked about last week. Um, but they continue to learn and better themselves and move and evolve with the sport. And that is so vital. Uh, I, so many people, well, you know, I need some help with my dog. Okay, well, where are you at so far? Well, I read Water Dog. I was like, okay. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with absorbing knowledge. But there's so much more, much more advanced technique out there than Water Dog. And I'm not knocking it. I've seen some successful dogs come out of the water dog program. There's just there's more out there, and that's what I love about guys like Tom and Rody and Brad. And I love that they're willing. If you walk up to them and ask them a technical question or a theoretical question or a how do I do this or that question, if they have time, yeah, they're going to answer you. Yeah, absolutely. But, Which uh, is part of why they're so awesome, and I'm so glad that they've said yes to the podcast. Yeah, me too. And uh, and then and last-, the last one. Last but not least, ready? Drum roll, please. <laughs> Your drum's missing a little roll there, baby. Oh. That's okay. My bad. You were cute doing it, though. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so um, I actually spoke to Mr. Freddie King um, this evening on the phone, and he has agreed to come on and do an episode with us. So really excited to talk to Freddie uh, out of Searcy, Arkansas. Um, he is the brain behind the Retriever Trainer, the online program that you can get on. Um, it's really affordable, and Freddie will take you step-by-step step through uh, Retriever Training um, with detailed videos and explanations of what he's doing and why he's doing it. He's just a really, really solid dude. Um, I think he's still the uh, the videographer for Echo Calls, too. Um, hey, Freddie's been with with echo for a long time now you know him and old rick dunn have done a lot of traveling together and um so we're super excited I, i'm kind of uh I'm, I'm i'm being low-key about it but i'm not gonna lie i'm kind of fanboyed out right now having freddie on just because i've been a fan of echo calls for forever you know i've followed rick dunn's career since i knew what duck calls were and what they did um so yeah, I'm I'm excited to have Freddie on here and get a chance to talk with him and, and and pick his brain. So we've got a lot of really interesting topics coming up in the in the near future. The near future, guys. So we really hope y'all will, y'all will hang in there and, and and give us a listen. And we want you to hit us up on social media because we want to know what you want to know from some of these people. Do you have specific questions for any of the guests that we have coming up? Um, I can think of some really cool topics that you could go pretty deep on um if you have some folks who submit questions for the the folks so um tell us where you're at on social media uh, you can find us on instagram if you search at alamo retriever club um uh, slide into those dms and send me a uh <laughs> why are you laughing at me <laughs> nothing go that's ahead. what the cool kids say <laughs> <laughs> yeah seriously slide into alamo's dms and um just submit your questions, comments. It doesn't have to be a question. If you have a comment that you want to submit, just lay it on me. Um, you know, let's talk about it. We'll uh, we'll bring it up in the podcast and answer any questions. Like I said, you can find us if you search at Alamo Retriever Club on Instagram. You can, if you just search Alamo Retriever Club on Facebook, 
um, send me a direct message there and um, we'll again we'll feature that on the podcast any questions comments any feedback that you guys might have we'd love to hear from you um, any episode ideas if there's something specific that y'all want to would like to hear us talk about or if you want to come on the podcast if you want to come on yeah if you've got a little nugget of knowledge that you want to share come on uh i'm not picky honestly i mean just i mean you're a little picky i'm i'm pretty picky i'm trying to be nice <laughs> but uh but yeah just submit your questions your comments your concerns your additions what i i don't it does not matter just like bre- and share yeah like and share uh be sure to check us out on spotify um you can also find the podcast on apple podcast amazon music and audible is where we're at now so those are the platforms that we're streaming on um in the near future i'm working on doing video podcasts and maybe doing some live streams for you guys to check out so that y'all can watch us as well as listen to us um so yeah that sounds terrifying what people watching us as well as listening to us (laughs) it's terrifying yes oh come on now yeah then i can't make weird faces while i'm listening sure you can trying not to touch things it's quality entertainment and be quiet and not move around very much yeah it's quality entertainment <laughs> but yeah again guys um don't forget that our uh entries for our hunt test our hrc test at the end of february should be open next week on hunt secretary um and if you don't get on there if you've got a baby dog that you need to run i'm i'm almost positive we will have um started walk-up spots and so even if you just want to come out and check it out if you just want to come out watch check it out see what you think we'll be there yep you can find me you can find ali chris jamie david any any of us any one of us would be more than happy to talk to you and and uh encourage you to get involved in this but with that being said i mean that's pretty much my uh nutshell story of how i got into dogs so thanks for sharing <laughs> thanks for asking you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> anyway well we we appreciate you guys being on again check us out uh hit that follow button subscribe to us and we will catch you guys next time bye